Tech Writer Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 610 for the 16th of September, 2018. This week, listening to music on a computer can be challenging because most computer audio systems have severely limited fidelity. An audio equalizer application can help. In short circuits, maybe you've wondered from time to time if your antivirus application might have missed something. Getting a second opinion is a good idea, and it's easy. I've explained before how to use a registry edit to turn off keys you don't want, caps lock, for example. But there is another option if registry edits make you nervous. Nearly 20 years ago, Microsoft made a stupid mistake by hiding file extensions in the Windows File Explorer. This has never been corrected, but the workaround is easy. In spare parts only on the website, Adobe will soon release a Photoshop update that includes some remarkable improvements for content-aware Phil. August set a new all-time record high for robocalls, and nearly half of them are scams. And maybe you'd like a Star Wars stormtrooper that obeys your every command? One can be yours for $230. Something funny happened on the way to audio perfection. Just about everybody decided that size was more important than quality, and good enough became the standard for audio. So today, many people listen to music or the audio from streaming video that's less than it could be. If you were an audiophile back in the 1960s or 1970s, you probably had the best amp you could afford, a turntable, possibly an equalizer, the quality of audio from a well-engineered, properly-pressed vinyl disc was excellent when played with a high-quality stylus on a good turntable with a great amplifier and superior speakers. Well, few people have amplifiers today other than what's in their computer, and the small size of speakers is often more important than their audio quality. After all, we can now put thousands of tracks on a couple of CDs or a thumb drive that we can listen to in the car, and the home music library, with tens of thousands of selections, can be stored in less than a terabyte of space on the computer. No amplifier or speakers are perfect. Most of the computer-based amps and speakers designed for use with computers are acceptable, but not exactly exemplary. In the old days, those who valued good audio often added a multiband equalizer to their stereo. Using an equalizer offered a couple of options. First, the listener could use it to tune the entire system, including the room, for the flattest possible response. Or, realizing that different kinds of music might sound better with different kinds of equalization settings, the response could be manipulated for the best effect. Listening to rock might call for boosting the bass, while jazz might call for a treble boost, and listening to speech is often better if both highs and lows are attenuated and the mid-range frequencies are boosted. 
Some music players have built-in equalization components or plugins that are available to add that capability. MediaMonkey, for example, does have an equalizer option on the play menu. It's a 10-band equalizer, which is more than adequate for most situations. The problem is that it works only when MediaMonkey is being used for playback. If you're using the VLC media player to watch a DVD or a streaming movie, there are no controls. Adobe Audition has 10, 20, and 30-band equalizers that can be applied to recordings, but that depends on having a decent reference sound system. Making audio changes that are based on the sound of a substandard system won't do listeners any favors, so what's really needed is an equalizer application that works at the operating system level. Fortunately, such an application exists. Unfortunately, it's not free. Fortunately, it's not expensive. Unfortunately, the extremely easy setup process can run off the rails. And unfortunately, the developer's support organization ignores requests for help. Equalizer Pro is a delight to use once you get it set up, and it costs just $15. There's a seven-day free trial, which I used. About four days before the trial would have expired, I purchased a license and installed the license key. When the trial period ended, the application stopped working anyway, even though I had installed the registration key. So I opened a support ticket. While waiting for a reply, I reinstalled the application. No change. Then I received a message from the company offering me a commission. Might this be a kickback? For promoting the application. I replied with a message that explained the application wasn't working and again requesting assistance. No reply, either to the support ticket or the message to the marketing department. Well, no response except for an automated reply that acknowledged the ticket. But I did receive a second email offering a commission. I opted out of those mailings. After adding a second note requesting support, I tried uninstalling the application, reinstalling it, and then entering the license key once more. Well, that fixed the problem. So now I can use Equalizer Pro to counter the low-frequency emphasis on the inexpensive speakers that are attached to my computer. That reduces the somewhat muffled sound of those speakers. I could achieve the same effect using one of Audition's equalizers, but that would result in overbright emphasis for listeners who have better audio systems. Equalizer Pro is a 10-band equalizer. When you're experimenting, just turn it on and then adjust the sliders on the various bands. The sliders on the left increase or decrease low frequencies, those on the right affect high frequencies, and those in the middle, as you might expect, deal with mid-range sounds. There's also a preamp slider on the left that increases or decreases the volume of sound that's delivered to the computer's amplifier. When you find settings that you like, just save them as a preset that'll be added to the 20 or so built-in presets provided for various types of music. If you use an application such as MediaMonkey to play music, make sure you turn off its internal equalizer. Having two dueling equalizers is not the way to achieve good sound. The company that developed Equalizer Pro, Probit Software LTD, is based in Israel but has a New York office. Despite poor customer support, in fact, no customer support, the company does say that it strives to bring easy-to-use, must-have computer software straight to everyone's desktop and to provide the best possible support for each one of our products. It's very easy to say. It seems to be harder to do. 
So the bottom line for Equalizer Pro is four cats, lousy support reduces the value of an easy-to-use Equalizer. There's no question that Equalizer Pro would earn a five-cat rating if the company actually provided the support that it offers. ProBit Software offers several other applications, and these all appear to be useful, but they're also more complex. While I can recommend Equalizer Pro, I would be very wary of anything else from the company. If you'd like additional details, you'll find them on the ProBit website, or you can go directly to the Equalizer Pro website. Links to both from the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. Few people are sufficiently courageous or sufficiently uninformed or both to run a computer without protective applications, but sometimes it's a good idea to get a second opinion. Microsoft offers an option for that. The Microsoft Safety Scanner is generally intended to provide information for technicians when a computer has been compromised, but it can also be used for testing, it's free, and there's nothing to install. Microsoft describes the safety scanner as a scan tool designed to find and remove malware from Windows computers. It's easy to use, just download it and run a scan to find any installed malware. The scanner will also attempt to reverse any changes that have been made by the threats it identifies. The quick scan option takes just a few minutes. It's generally the best choice. If the scanner does notice a problem, it will switch to the full scan mode, which can take several hours. To ensure that it's always up to date, Microsoft Safety Scanner will not run if the downloaded copy is more than 10 days old. Microsoft recommends downloading a new copy whenever it's used. Because there's no installation process, there's no need to uninstall the scanner when you're done. Just delete the executable file if you want to when the scan is complete. The security scanner is not a replacement for anti-malware products. Microsoft's Windows Defender runs on Windows 8 and Windows 10. Microsoft Security Essentials runs on Windows 7. There are also, of course, many third-party protective applications. Some have free versions that usually provide the same protection as the paid versions, but with fewer extras, bells and whistles, and stuff like that. The safety scanner runs on computers with Windows 10, Windows 10 Tech Preview, Windows 8.1, Windows 8, Windows 7, Windows Server 2016, Windows Server Tech Preview, Windows Server 2012 R2, Windows Server 2012, Windows Server 2008 R2, and Windows Server 2008. In other words, it runs on just about anything that's running Windows. You can download the security scanner from Microsoft's website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. You may have heard earlier programs about how to turn off keys that cause problems, or perhaps you've read articles on TechBiter Worldwide or other places that explain how to do that. One of the primary candidates is the caps lock key. It's because of what happens if you type after not noticing that you've pressed it. 
Some applications, such as Microsoft Word, watch for this, and they can turn the caps lock key off if it appears to have been pressed accidentally. Most programs don't have that ability, though. The usual process for disabling the caps lock key or any other keys that get in your way involves a registry edit, and it depends on some arcane knowledge of how key codes are stored in the registry. If that's something that's kept you from disabling keys that you'd really like to disable, there is another method. It isn't free, but $20 might be an acceptable price if a key is sufficiently annoying. Simple Disable Key from 4Dots Software will allow you to disable any number of keys or key combinations quickly and easily. The example I show on the TechBiter Worldwide website disables Alt-Q. To do that, you'd simply fill in Q in the key section and then check the Alt-Modifier key. By the way, disabling Alt-Q would probably not be a good idea. It's a fairly common keystroke combination, and it is essential for a lot of programs. Once you've defined the key, you click Add Key, and you'll be asked whether you want the key to be disabled at all times, disabled in a specific program, or disabled based on a schedule. Selecting Schedule displays another pane where you can set the start time, the stop time, and select which days the schedule should be active. All disabled keys are shown at the bottom of the program's main screen. By default, the program doesn't start when Windows starts, so you'll probably want to add that in the Options section. When Simple Disable Key is running, you'll see a new icon in the Notifications area. From there, you can open the full program interface or exit the program, as well as disable or re-enable all keys that the program controls. Now, this isn't a program I'll be using, in part because I can disable the few keys I want to banish for free with a registry edit, and in part because I use a macro editor that also monitors keystroke activity. Too many keystroke monitors can get in each other's way. But this is a great solution for anybody who wants to eliminate some keys without resorting to a registry edit. You can download the application from the 4Dots software website, and there's a link, of course, from the TechBiter Worldwide website. A new feature was added with Windows XP, which was released 17 years ago in 2001. Hide Extensions of Known Types was turned on by default. That's still the default setting, it's still stupid, and it's still causing problems. If Microsoft won't fix this, then we need to. It's always been my conjecture that some misguided person at Microsoft decided that hiding file extensions would make Windows more like a Mac. The illogic of wanting to do that should be obvious, but apparently it wasn't and thus was hatched a dangerous option. Here's the problem with hiding the extensions. Although the Windows Explorer does display a small icon that indicates the true file type, that is insufficient because few people pay any attention to the icons. A file name such as malicious.txt.exe would display as malicious.txt if the exe extension is hidden. So users will see malicious.txt, thinking it's a text file, and double-clicking what appears to be a text file would actually run the executable program. 
The danger is mitigated by user access control warnings. But somebody who thinks he's opening a text file might mistakenly dismiss the UAC warning. Fortunately, Microsoft has at least made it easier to display file extensions. With the Explorer open, select the View tab, then locate the checkbox for File Name Extensions and check it. That's all there is to fixing the problem. When file extensions aren't shown, several files might appear to have the same name. Displaying the extensions shows each of the files is a different file type. So if your version of Windows still hides file extensions, why not take a couple of minutes to fix it? And you can also take a few minutes to check out spare parts on the website because that's the only place you'll find it. This week, Adobe will soon release a Photoshop update that includes some remarkable improvements for content-aware fill. August set a new all-time record high for robocalls, and nearly half of them are scams. And maybe you'd like a Star Wars stormtrooper that obeys your every command? One can be yours for $230. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.